Running with Jake, the quick hit. Hi, this is Jake from Running with Jake, the podcast. Full episodes are released every Wednesday, but this is the quick hit, which is audio taken from one of the live videos on my social channels. This one is from the Instagram lives that I do every Friday with ex-GB athlete, fellow coach, and my friend, Joe Wilkinson. To follow us both on Instagram, just search for Running with Jake and Running Joe 10K. Let's get into it. Today, we're going to chat around lessons we have learned or learnt, um, things we have learned or learnt from our marathons. So, while I wait for my very good friend and colleague at Running with Jake, Jake Lee, to join me, here is the thing I learned from my marathon. Turns out I'm only human after all. Uh, Crushingly disappointing, if I'm honest, but um, I guess that's just life. Right, Jake's going to join me, uh, and while he does, I think I'm going to take I've also learned that after a while, people get a bit fed up at the clanking. So, the other thing we've learned, learned, is that what's the difference between learned and learned? And it turns out not much at all unless you're American or English. Hello, Jake. How are you doing? I'm just so <laughs> pleased that I'm in control of, like, audio, audio management. That, was, that sounded bloody awful. That was terrible. I hurt my ears. Hello, Joe. You're not going to play any more random music, are you? Do you know how long it took me to set that clip up? I honestly, I've been I rehearsing it since 12 o'clock. <laughs> I can imagine. You, you, I mean, you just, you've gone all Anton Deck. You love these bloody 12.30 lives on a Friday, honestly. Look, I've got medal. <laughs> very nice, very nice. Congratulations on your marathon and finishing I learned, learned, learned lots of things. <laughs> lots of things I want to talk about today. Let's chat running. Let's chat running, let's chat marathons, let's chat things we learned, learned about our marathons. Um, we, this week, are just going to keep it a little bit about us again. Indulge us, folks. Hopefully, you'll, some of the things we talk about will resonate with you. Um, and hopefully, some of them, you know, you, you might kind of go on and think, oh, well, that, that might be something for good for me as well. But the most important thing, Jake, you've got to tell everybody, how did you get on? In, in one sentence, not like the whole analysis for half an hour. Uh, 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 <laughs> one sentence. Uh, I finished. I got the medal. There we go. That's, that's pretty positive, isn't it? Um, I had a great race up until mile 24 when I was hit with the world's worst cramp in the right hamstring. I can't really say the world's worst cramp because it's the first time I've ever experienced cramp. So it was my only experience. I have no idea if it was the world's worst. So it was limp, hobble, crawl to the finish line. But I had a great experience overall. And the first 24 miles was amazing. The last two miles, yeah, interesting to say the, to say the least. But lots to learn from it. Lots, <laughs> lots to, to learn, learn from, from it. it. So, you know, what do you think? What would your, if I had to say to you, pick out one thing that you think you learned from this experience, what was it? Other than the fact that cramp, now you realised, is a really horrifically painful state. <laughs> do you know what? I think that so there's a couple of things that lead to mind first of all there are one of the lessons one of the things that i learned is the fact that there are always things to learn no matter how many races you do and marathons i think there are definitely things in reflection you can learn and in the immediate aftermath and even now having sort of reflected on it one of the things that leaps out for me is you can't you can't counter everything you can't counter every possible eventuality in a race so I joke about cramp. I've, I've literally never had cramp. So it's not the sort of thing where if I was plagued with it, you know, if it was something that was like a regular occurrence, oh God, I, you know, I always get cramp. 
then I can try and be a little bit pragmatic and problem solve. But sometimes shit really does happen. And you can't <laughs> do anything about it. I think it's how you manage that situation in the race, whatever it is that we're talking about. And also how you deal with it beyond that. And, and just understand that sometimes things are out of your control and that's just the way it goes, you know. Yes, there's maybe certain little things I perhaps could have done, you know. We've spoken in the week, didn't we? A bit of a catch-up Joe, maybe a bit of hydration. Maybe I think the reality is probably just longer, slightly more challenging, faster finishing long runs could probably help. Maybe slightly better pacing. Whatever. The point is that actually sometimes stuff just happens. And I think accepting that can also help settle your nerves a little bit. So that was a big takeaway for me, really, you know. Yeah, I think it's that thing, isn't it, that, that, you know, we did talk at length about both our marathons and we're saying that, it, 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 you know, it'd be so easy if you could just say it was this one thing, this one thing. And if I don't do that one thing next time, this won't happen. But actually, particularly over the length of a marathon, because I think I don't know if I learned it because I already knew it, but I reminded, was reminded that it's a very long race, um, a very long race. And, and therefore, sort of things can build up and perhaps without you almost noticing during the race isn't it and I think that's what is in some ways quite challenging about the marathon because yeah what you did an hour ago might you know have started to set off a chain of reactions and events and here an hour later all of a sudden you're on the floor with cramp or whatever it might be Um, and that's difficult isn't it you can get blindsided, can't you, Joe? Because th- there's those things where I know this is the case for you, certainly for myself in races. There's those things that you need to keep your eye on. So the obvious thing for me is in training, I usually need to keep my eyes on the lower legs, specifically calves, specifically really shin splints. You know, that's the thing where I have to just oh, you know, be really hyper aware. So guess what? I try to manage that before it becomes a thing. You know, I try to, to problem solve it before it becomes a problem. And in a race, the obvious thing for me that leaps to mind is usually toilet issues, as you know, mm. in marathons. That's the thing where I'm like, I know you've spoken about this recently. Um, I'm going to go on and speak stuff. about them as well. Yeah, no, good. <laughs> but, 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 you know, it's a very real thing. But because I know that 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 is a thing for me, I can try to do everything I can to manage it. But sometimes you just get blindsided by stuff and you get hit by cramp. Or, you know, it could be if it wasn't cramp in the hamstring, next race it might be cramp elsewhere. It might be a different, a different kind of thing. So it is, as you say, it's not necessarily all about the lessons that we learned in a race, but it's that remind those, those kind of reminding you of, you know, it's a bloody long way, 26 miles and a lot can happen. You can have the best 25 and a half mile race of your life. And then in the last half a mile, just over, you know, it can be really quite difficult. You could be hit with something out of blue that you just didn't expect. You know, I think that's what makes it special to a degree. Yeah. Especially challenging. <laughs> For sure. Think, For things sure. I learned. I just don't like marathons. I'll forget about that by next year. <laughs> you did mention toilet issues, and you know I'm going to talk about toilet issues. Um, yeah, I just had to stop for a wee at 16 miles. Um, I really wish I hadn't, but I've, I've not got a good ratio. So I did post on Instagram earlier in the week about this thing. Yeah, so far out of seven marathons, um, I've only successfully completed two without needing to stop. The vast majority were having a little wee. Um, there was one, and I know that one was, was due to a late change to my nutrition. So slap on the wrist, because I really should have known better about that. But um, yeah, I just, oh, this time, it, I just, it was a reminder that it's, it's, particularly I find it really difficult to manage my hydration. I sweat buckets and buckets. I also get really cold, particularly on a long run that's going on for hours. Um, 
and probably a bit too much information but I got my period the day before and that always seems to coincide it doesn't generally affect me in many ways but I get really thirsty and so I had this situation where I was driving to the race at 5am in the morning or not 5 but it was it might have been about 5am can't remember now but nonetheless I was really thirsty before I even started and so then I was trying to balance oh well I normally wouldn't drink that much but I'm already thirsty now and this is not a great start and so um you know it's really hard to try and make decisions on the hoof as it were where you you sort of plan something right well, I normally would drink this much but actually it seems like I'm going to have to change that from the start um yeah so that was you know that was as you say almost like that kind of thing that you think you've planned things but then situations change because not that it was so unknown you know that's obviously something that happens fairly regularly as a woman but nonetheless the timing wasn't what I expected and and you know so that kind of not threw me but just um changed the way and how much I drank and all the rest of it and obviously by the time I got to 16 miles I just uh, needed to stop <laughs> I, th- I seconds, think that's though. really <laughs> I think is that a PB is it PB but no I think that's terrible I'm sure the first Season's year best? the first year I think I only lost about 33 seconds I say about sorry, about 33 seconds not like I don't know exactly <laughs> But you said at the start of this video, you know, we're going to chat a little bit about our kind of almost race debrief, things that we learned and we were reminded of again. And we hope it's relevant to people watching this video. But I think, I think it is. And I think it's really interesting that somebody like yourself, Joe, will be open and honest and say, I'm still learning things now. And, you know, this whole we thing and the toilet thing and talking about the period before and things. You know, there may be people watching this that perhaps don't know that have only recently followed you or I and think, well, surely we must have it perfect by now. You know, I think I've run, I don't know, 14, 15 marathons. Some I've raced, some I haven't. Surely there must be nothing left to chance. It must be perfect every time. No, it really isn't. And there's things mm. that you learn and you have to adapt and stuff. And I think where hydration is concerned, that's, that's a massive thing. And it's interesting because I would say, I would agree with you and say, actually, that's something that I think I, I sort of was reminded of or learned in this race that it, off the back of that, it's okay to stop actually mm. and i don't mean fully stop although it is if that's the right thing to do right decision but it's okay to stop and have a little walk and some people measure success as we've probably touched on before by oh i can't stop a walk i just want to run the whole thing well actually you might be slightly quicker if you allowed yourself a little bit of a walking break so we, we touched on this when we spoke in the week didn't we joe so for me you needed the toilet so you stopped i didn't need the toilet fortunately in the race but i would have been prepared to stop had that because it's that trade-off isn't it you know how yeah. much time are you going to lose and whatnot versus not going and holding it and slowing down potentially. I knew I needed more water. Anybody watching this that did Manchester will probably agree. I think <laughs> it might have been the, the same for London as well. Probably slight, uh, slightly warmer than yeah. was optimum, you know, to be fair. We can't say, oh my God, it was horrific, but it was, it was slightly warmer. I think it caught a few people out. I don't think I took on enough water. Every station I had water, by the way. But ha- what's water? Is it a little sip or is it, you know? So I think I needed more water. I knew I needed it. This is before the cramp. So I allowed myself to stop at a water station and I knew this was going to happen. I, I sort of said in my mind, this is what I'm going to do. And it was like, I don't know, 10 seconds. I didn't time it, something like that. I just walked. But sure enough, I had a mini breather, but I was able to take on board more water. And that's okay to do that. You know, like in your case, mm. stopping for the toilet. Because people get a bit paranoid about that, I think. And, oh my God, got to keep going. And I've got to yeah. choke on this gel because I need to eat it straight away. <laughs> and I've got to grab this water and throw it all over me. And, this, and it's like just you know settle down slow down slightly yes you've got time targets and things like that but I mean I think that's quite a valuable thing to be aware of actually yeah definitely I I do say that that you know if you need to slow down to eat the gel eating the gel is more important 
then keeping the pace and not being able to eat it or like you say you know comes out your nose or all kinds of horrific things we know that that's really difficult and um, likewise with the toilet yeah i'm saying if you get to the stage where you need to go to the toilet there is only one way to resolve that situation and that is go to the toilet you know and actually it, it was starting to distract me because i you know because obviously at first you're like do i really need to go that whole kind of questioning yourself um and it was starting to really distract me and it was say 16 miles i'm starting to get a bit tired and actually it gave me a sort of mini break to get my head back in it as well so you know i just thought right just you need to stop and actually i was kind of looking for the, there's a lot of toilets um on the course of London and unfortunately at that point there weren't any or they were just like a long way off the course and so I obviously opted for the other option um but we won't go into too much detail and, um, it's on the official know. photos I wouldn't worry I've seen it I had a quick so I bought well it be. to be honest I bought it it's only a medium resolution photo you'll be pleased to hear I put in a call yesterday apparently not uploaded the high res ones yet but I'm gonna get it I'm gonna get it I'm gonna post it we're all gonna see it <laughs> but yeah uh, but yeah, it gave me that break, you know, to, um, I was like, right, actually now I can get going. And then when you look at my little Strava, um, Strava, I'm not Strava, GPS thing, you can actually see that then the pace not picks up because I, I was very, again, deliberate not to sprint off and try and make up the time. And in fact, that was why I, you know, someone said to me, why did you stop? Why did you lap your watch for your wee time? So because I wanted to have an idea still of what pace I was running and not you know get all thrown by oh god now it's like i've suddenly dropped to a nine minute something mile so it just you know it worked for me um but yeah you know again it just reinforcing that slowing down or stopping is not necessarily detrimental to your finish and might actually enhance your finish time that that was one of my big ones um, i think that's i think that's a big one joe and and just kind of provoking my thinking there with what you said it's quite useful, I think, in a race to have the mindset, and it's hard towards the back end of a race, especially a marathon, which is obviously what we're talking about, because you can kind of, where are you in your own mind by the end of the race? Who knows? But if you can have the kind of, I suppose, consciousness to capture as much information as you can during the race. So that could simply be how am I feeling at key points in the race, you know, because again, you can reflect on that for the future. Of course, in the moment, all you're thinking about is that bloody race, that medal, that cold beer afterwards, are you going to get a PB, whatever. But afterwards, you're going to want that information to use sort of going forward and when i knew i was so so i i said i think i might have said this on a live i'm not sure but i was looking at between seven and seven ten per mile so seven minutes to seven ten per mile if i'm explaining that correctly um as a it's kind of an average pace that was my target i thought it might be a bit ambitious especially near sevens but i went with it and i managed 703 up to 20 miles but i remember getting to 20 miles and i was conscious to clock what my average was for 20, because I knew the wheels were going to come off. I could feel it, and I was prepared for that because I wasn't trying to run faster at the end. I knew I was being a bit ambitious, but I wanted that information. And then when I hit the cramp and I stopped, so stopped at 24 miles at the side of the road, hanging on a lamppost, this marshal coming to rub my hamstring, <laughs> I, w I just looked to see what my average pace was. So again, I knew what I'd ran, you know, a, a pretty solid 24-mile race, as it were. That information I can use forward. So that was a bit of... a something that i really learned from the race actually if you can just have if something suddenly throws you a curveball try and have the knowledge to either hit lap like you did with the with the wee stop because actually that is really useful to know or whether it's pacing whatever because you can help you can use that to plot the path forward i think it's really useful otherwise just thinking oh i don't know i think i had a good race and then up until this point and then I, it just went a bit peak tongue so i think it's definitely <laughs> helpful yeah so one of the things a couple of things i've also written down here one is 
GPS versus real world, which we had a chat about, didn't we? And um, so I'm fortunate. I've done London a few times before. So every time I've done it before on my Garmin, it's always come out about 26.4 miles, not the 26.2. So I know there's always a bit of incremental creep there. And I also know that it's like a GPS black spot in Canary Wolf because of the tall buildings. It has no idea where you are or what pace you're running and goes completely haywire. And then you've got some long underpasses as well that also throw the whole thing. So I was, I was reminded of that, but actually I had said to all my runners beforehand, be aware that this is GPS. This is not, this is real world racing, sorry, not virtual racing and not GPS. And actually your time is not what's going to be on your watch. Your time is going to be what the time is when you finish the race, you know? So um, I actually, you know, was pleased. I quite remembered early on just to double check how far was my watch out against the mile markers that I was passing. And I actually reset it like you. I wanted to see what I'd done at halfway. So I actually pressed the lap button at halfway. And then because I sort of, you know, because it obviously automatically splits each mile the way it's mine set up. So I pressed it at halfway and then I pressed it again at 14 miles and it got me back on so that my, although obviously the, the measurement was still slightly out, still slightly long, it got me back on track in terms of the actual mile markers and my watch measuring each mile accurately so I found that that really helped me so I wanted to kind of you know we've we talked some about the things that we the lessons the things that we've kind of learned in a negative way but that was something that I was quite pleased that I did and you know that whole like I say we haven't done real life races with markers on the road and all the rest of it for a while and so it was quite good to kind of remember that and think oh actually yeah that was a good thing to do that kept me so I knew roughly where I was you know in terms of where my time was going to finish in relation to you know, the race and where I was in the race rather than just what might have been on my watch that would have been slightly out. It, it's easy to be a bit of a slave to the watch, isn't it, in training and racing? Yeah. I remember, like in the earlier days of running marathons, I used to have the old pace band as well. They must still give these out, I don't know. You oh, know, they, do, they you, do, Yeah, each mile. And I always made sure I had a pace band on as well. I don't do that anymore, but I certainly used to, um, just in case there was any kind of issues with the GPS. And I have had that over time. Um, in previous races I do think I mean I said to you or I, I said on on some post I mean I'd ran 26.8 which I thought was quite a bit over and I, I was probably me just deviating and, and you know at the side of the road being stretched out or whatever but 26.8 I thought was quite a lot but what I thought was interesting and I, I, I listed this down when I knew we were going to talk about things I learned from the marathon sometimes I think it's really beneficial to put the focus on average pace over finish time now, sometimes that won't work for you because you are really targeting a time. I have times in my mind, I'm ambitious and want to, want to achieve goals. But in Manchester this time around, for me, it was more about average pace. That was what motivated me. That was the driver. The benefit to that is this whole GPS thing or running slightly further, it didn't, it didn't matter to me. Whereas back in 2019, when I didn't finish the race, it did matter to me. And that wasn't the, the reason I stopped. But I think I'm sure it was a factor because it gets in your head. I'm looking at the 10 mile marker or my watch bleep saying 10 miles. And it's, it's you know, I'm, I'm way behind. And I think that happened quite early on in the race. I'm not saying the course was too long. It's just sometimes what it is in a marathon. Whereas this time it didn't matter. I was way behind. I mean, it was 26.8, but it didn't really matter. Sure, I'd love to have ran it on the nose, of course. But it didn't matter because I had my own target. I was in my own little bubble. So, you know, it's definitely something to think about if you're watching this and maybe you want to do a race where you're taking a little bit of pressure off. If it's not the, the race of your life and it's everything you've worked towards, this sub three, sub four, winning it, whatever. Um, I think shifting the focus to pace can definitely help sometimes. It worked for me. 
definitely worked for me. Yeah, so I was actually in the contrast because I wanted to run sub 3.30. You know, it's always slightly arbitrary where we set these boundaries. I was willing they, you on. I know you were. Well, I was willing myself on. Don't let us down. By God. I went through. I I, I was ahead, okay? I I hold my hands up and say, the other thing I was reminded of is that 10 to 15 seconds per mile at the start really does count at the end. But anyway, we'll cross over that. So I was getting to this point where I I went through this phase where I was like, I really just don't care what the finishing time is. I just would really like to get to the end. That's sort of, I think that was about 19 to sort of early 20s. And then realized that actually this sub 330 was again was was actually within reach again and and I just love distracting myself with a bit of sad geeky maths and so I was thinking right you know you've got this much time to get there and I came into the mall and because of the base start didn't have time over the finishing gantry like they normally do so it was you know I knew it was the time that was on my watch because I'd I'd set my watch to start and I'd looked at it and just thought sprint (laughs) absolutely I mean I say sprint and actually I did wonder afterwards whether it looked like a sprint but I was quite pleased to see some of my photos from that finishing straight do it does look like a sprint to be honest not a bad sprint have you got air time either have you got flying feet have you got air time have you got air time I've just got you want to honestly go back through my Instagram post you'll see there's this photo of like I'm gritting my teeth absolutely gritting my teeth which obviously I know the perfect sprint finish should be relaxed not gritting teeth and and you know clenched fists but oh my god I sprinted for it um and that was one of my points that do you know what you can you most of the time you can always find something right at the end if you're really going for a time and you're getting close you know don't don't give up until you have crossed that line because I okay I, I crossed it with 19 seconds to spare in the end but that was because I really you know, the last sort of, uh, you know, you get your things where it says 1,000 metres to go, 600 to go. And I was thinking, oh, come on, you, you're going to be so close. You're going to be so close. But just, you know, really dug in at that point before I got round. Because once I got round the bend and could see the finish, I was fairly certain I was going to make it. I couldn't have jogged in or done a celebration, but I was fairly certain I was going to make it. But it was that kind of like, come on, just, this is where, just keep going now. Keep going now. So um, it was nice to see that that's still in there as well. <laughs> that that reminds me just how important running is to both of us still you know as runners we run and, and we've got our own motivations and goals and you had your goal then and then you know I was with you when you explained that oh, you know, I'm doing the math and 600 meters ago am I going to make it and it's exciting isn't it you know that's that's really exciting it's exciting stroke horrific <laughs> well of course of course but that is definitely something that I took away from from Manchester this year. And, and I guess that was more potentially reinforced because what started this thought process, which I'll explain, was 2019 when I stopped. Um, and I need to focus on me sometimes. And that's not always so easy. And like with yourself, Joe, if you want to do well, whatever that means to you, however you, you, you define that, you've got to spend some time focusing on you. And earlier in the week, I mean, my, my runners are fantastic. They're all amazing. And I'm, I'm, I messaged them earlier in the week. I said, guys, if you've got, you know, people doing Manchester and whatnot, if you've got questions about Manchester, of course, I'm there for you all weekend. We're all meeting up. It's going to be wicked. But anything that's kind of obvious and burning, get them across to me sooner rather than later, because I'm just going to try and have a little bit of time off the phone on Friday. I'm not always so good at that. And I sort of was semi-successful in that anyway. But so I want to have a bit of time away from the phone, just, I'm just going to try and go into my own little bubble a bit. Not rude, not complete kind of, you know, false feel, but just understand that actually this is important to me. And if I suddenly uh, started delivering mail, 
I, for a living, I would still be a runner. I would still want to do these races. So um, that was a big, and it worked, it worked. And that was a big takeaway for me, even in the race itself. So I had quite a few of my runners wearing the, the performance community top. So performance community is a coaching name for my coaching company. And I didn't wear my running with Jake top. Now, look, you know, I just have a podcast. I do a bit of social media. I'm not saying everybody in the marathon is going to go, oh, you know, Jake, you do a podcast. But people do and you can't fully kind of isolate and I'm just a sucker because I just love it and I get involved with everybody and stuff and there were still people even though I wasn't wearing the vest that would mention or whatever and it's I love that but you just sometimes need to just go right I say it's it's game time now do do you know what I mean and yeah yeah I, I, we stayed in a self-catering, which I always think is the best. I always advise people do that. I think it's a good thing because you're in control of your food and when you eat and all that stuff. Control the controllables, as we often say, Joe. And also, it just kept me away from things a bit. And it was quite a, uh, not a mundane Saturday, but you know what I mean? It was just quite a functional Saturday. It's let's travel to Manchester. Let's get the food. Let's get everything lined up. Let's make sure we know what we're doing. Get an early night, blah, blah, blah. And that really worked for me. So that's a very positive thing that I learned and that was reinforced. I'll definitely apply apply in the future and yeah. of course afterwards then it's celebration time you know then it's just forget all that yeah it's bloody come on, <laughs> come on. <laughs> things i learned is um even if you haven't got another key race lined up you probably should eat within the first six hours of marathon <laughs> not just spend the entire time going from pub to pub albeit i was driving uh, so i wasn't drinking but relying on some full fat coke <laughs> to sustain you <laughs> So unsurprisingly, that's why I felt so rubbish last week. <laughs> Not the best. We we were too. However, similar, can actually. I just say, last night I went out with my very good friend, Running Daisy, and finally got my chips and wine. That is the only thing. For years and years, it has been my motivation. Get through this marathon, and when you've finished, you can have chips and wine. <laughs> Joe, you've made it in life. <laughs> you have made it in life. Right. So I think we should wrap up with okay, one thing. One thing that surprised you the most? Oh, God, you put me on the spot. <laughs> that surprised me the most. Um, even when you think there are no positives to take from the current situation you find yourself in, in a race, you have to look really hard sometimes, but there are positives there. And I'll explain so I got the cramp, I stopped, I hobbled, I walked. I thought, oh, bloody hell, that's that. This is miserable now. You know, I was pleased with what I did up to that point. I turned around with half a mile to go, and who should I see but Martina, my girlfriend behind me. She'd caught me up. Bloody hell, what are you doing here? You shouldn't be here. But we crossed the line together. We've got some great finishing photos, you know, holding hands, crossing the line, all that amazing stuff. We, we didn't plan that. We probably couldn't have planned that because we love to race our marathons now. You know, we've got our own goals. We, the likelihood of us crossing the line together when we're both racing is, is unlikely. So that was just, you know, out, out the sky. I couldn't, have, I couldn't have planned that. So there's always positives. And, you know, you never know what's around the corner just to pick you up and give you that buzz again. So that's definitely something I would take away from that race. Cool. And what is the one thing you would do differently next time? More marathon pace. In the race. In the no, training. In, training. <laughs> in the marathon, yeah. I, don't, I didn't get a PB. I was running easy the whole bloody way, and the clock stopped. And I don't understand why I didn't know. I would do more marathon pace in training. You know, we're not really spoken about training. This video could be super long, couldn't it? But definitely more marathon pace training to condition myself to it. I don't particularly enjoy it. I don't have a healthy relationship, particularly great relationship with marathon pace running. I'm going to do that. And more LT1 stuff for those kind of, kind of sciencey bods watching this. 
um, which is probably just below uh, marathon pace. So yeah, just a bit more focused paced training, I think, would definitely help. Um, to be honest, yeah, in, uh, that's a whole different chat, really, isn't it? What would we do differently in training? Yeah, I just would run slower. I'd follow my own advice. <laughs> do some slower longer runs um i was trying to make an excuse to one of the runners i coached yesterday uh in a chat um she, she's training to be a coach so we were talking from a coach perspective and i said yeah i just i look back and think never mind Practice but you're human. You're human. <laughs> i am do you want me to play the clip again <laughs> i could sing it please don't please don't <laughs> I, i've just had a chat with jake smith who's going to be on the podcast next week such a top guy and we yeah. know, I'm sure many people know, like he just, has, you know, one or two races where he's just gone blasting off, you know, namely the, the Olympic trials. So sometimes, you know, you can have the greatest level of ability in the world and on paper you should be smashing it. But actually we can all get it a little bit wrong, whether you're, a, you know, an awesome runner, an athlete, or whether you're a running coach or whatever. We're human, aren't we, at the end of the day? It's how you, I think you bounce back from those things and learn from yeah. them, really, which is what we're talking about. Absolutely. So there we are. Our lessons or lessons, things. We said we didn't want to say lessons. It sounded too formal, didn't we? Things that we have learned, stroke learns from the marathon. Um, hopefully you found that interesting. Hopefully you found it useful. If there's anything, you know, things reflect on your race or things you want to chat to Jake and I about, we're always here. Drop us a message. We're always happy to chat anything to do with running and coaching. Um, ultimately, we are just running and coaching geeks. Uh, obviously, next week we'll be on your page, Jake. I don't know what we're talking about yet. Something will come up that we will chat about. Um, but you can also catch up on Jake's uh, plod podcast, um, Running With Jake. But yeah, give us a follow. Give Jake a follow. Give me a follow at Running With Jake at Running Joe 10K. And have a really good week. Are you actually going to take that medal off eventually? Because at least I took mine off. <laughs> no, I've signed up for Manchester again next oh. week. I'm, I'm sleeping in this now. <laughs> bye bye. Goodbye, everybody. Thank you. That was Running with Jake, the quick hit. Hear the brand new full length podcast every Wednesday or catch up now by searching Running with Jake, the podcast.